is Arrowhead Pride Radio on 610 Sports Radio. It is indeed Arrowhead Pride Radio, 610 Sports Radio, along with Pete Sweeney and former Kansas City Chief Sean Barber. I am the sports machine, Sean Levine, feeling inappropriately dressed. You guys are some unique dressers. You got on the WWE shirt, by the way, Pete, real quick before we get going. Best tag team of all time. I have to go with the Legion of Doom. That is the correct answer, <laughs> sir. That is what we were looking for. Wrong answer. The Heart Foundation. Also a good one. Maybe the Steiner brothers. Really neither here nor there. And then we got Barber, who's got on his bucket hat, his flip-flops, his cargo pants, and his Scouts of Honor shirt. So we're ready to go. Ready to talk some football, even though it's 100 degrees outside. Because, guys, there's a one guy that we've been talking about from the moment that, even before the Chiefs drafted him, He's exciting, he's fresh, he's young, and of course, he's Patrick Mahomes. Although, Pete, sometimes you want to compare your girlfriend to, like, the prom queen before you compare it to Miss America. And I think Tom Bahali <laughs> just went out there and said, you know what, Patrick Mahomes, he's the next Miss America. Well, I said it to you before we got on the air. I'm trying to get an angle here where we won't have to lead the show with the same topic every single week. But lo and behold, here we go. Patrick Mahomes back in the news Damba Ali was doing the media rounds yesterday on Fox Sports, Sirius XM. We'll get into a little bit more of his stuff later, but the main quote that everyone took away from Damba Ali yesterday was what he said about Patrick Mahomes. And listen carefully. He says he doesn't want to hype him, and then he just drops a bomb. I think a lot of Chiefs fans watching right now don't have that great of an idea on Patrick Mahomes. And... He still has just one career start. You got to watch him all last year in practice. They trade away Alex Smith. And you wrote, that boy Patrick, good, and there's nothing else to it. So a lot of people were questioning that move. You were there for a whole season with him. Tamba, what are we getting with Patrick Mahomes? Uh, you're you're going to get a complete player. I mean, he's a smart player. He could throw the ball. Athletically, he's gifted. Um, you don't have to coach it. Um, in practice, I've watched him just look guys off. I mean, Eric Berry, you look him off and yeah. he complete the ball. He did it to Marcus Peters a lot. And, it, you know, so people don't know what's coming. I don't want to hype him, but I compare him to Brett Favre. <laughs> That's, how can you say those two things in the same sentence? Barber, I, is, isn't it a difficult thing, though? I mean, is this a blessing or a curse when you get compared to a guy who some people would argue is a top three quarterback of all time? Man, I like I like Tomba, man. Tomba's coming with the truth. Uh, me and Tomba, we, we, we share we share a lot of things in common. We got the same agent. We're part of the same sports agency, uh, sports stars out of New York City. Um, I'm drinking that Tomba Jamba juice, dog. Like I'm I'm taking all of it in. Uh, he gets to see him every day at practice. He gets to feel him. He gets to understand the throws he's making, the lookoffs. He sees it. It's natural. It's not. It's not. It's, it's so organic from this quarterback, and that's what I like about him. The one thing that you will say is Tomba Ali got to see him every day. We got to see him for one game, and we're wowed. He was watching him every day. And what stands out more than the quote than another comparison to another quarterback is the fact that he was looking off Marcus Peters and looking off Eric Berry. These are pretty good defensive players in the league. But I just can't get away from the comparison. And he says, I don't want to hype him. And then he drops the bomb. I don't want to hype him, but I compare him to Brett Favre. I don't want to hype this ice cream flavor, but you know what? I bathe in it every night. <laughs> when, when are you, though, going to be comfortable making your comparison? I've got the college stats in front of me, right? His first year behind center at Texas Tech, 16 touchdowns, four picks. All right, next year, 36 touchdowns, 15 picks. Whoa. And then last year, or I should say two years ago at this point, 41 touchdowns and 10 picks. 
Those are college stats, guys. At what point are you going to become comfortable saying, this is who I think Patrick Mahomes is going to become? I like it, man. The game is the game. It's still the same game. Um, the athletes get a little bit faster, but I mean, his specialty was um, going over the top of defenses. And so he went over it a lot, and I think he averaged like 44 points in college his senior year. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing, man. That, that's amazing uh, production, production, the efficiency. Um, and he is never uh, he never gives up on the play. The play always stays alive as, as long as Patty Cake's back there. So I'm good with it. Good morning, football. Just full of Mahomes bombs this week, and then another one today. Peter Schrager, I tried to get him on the show today. Gave he us big time, yeah. He big time me a little. Really? What an answer! Wouldn't an answer my contact. But he's been a defender nationally. I will give this to him. He's been a defender nationally of the Chiefs. When time after time, these national heads will just pick the Los Angeles Chargers year after year when they haven't won in what over five years. You know, even even come close to winning the division. Uh, so Peter Schrager naming the top. 2018 breakout players. He named uh, the first five, went from five, Cardinal safety, Buda Baker, four, 49ers defensive tackle, DeVaris Buckner, three, Falcons defensive tackle, Grady Jarrett, and uh, number two, Vikings defensive end, Daniel Hunter. And then he served up number one. Mm. Number one for me. <laughs> there he is, Patty Baby. <laughs> Bring it home. Wait for the Pat Mahomes era to start. Tamba Ali on the show yesterday. Compare him to Brett Favre. I'll take that. That's not a bad comparison. He might be better. That's the way I see it. He might be better. Favre? Wait, I thought he was Cliff Kingsbury. Favre's got got one Super Bowl ring. This guy's going to have a whole handful of them. He's everything. To me, I love the way he throws the ball. I love the way he composes himself. And he's got this little technique thing where it's like, and it's just gone. Let me show you the good one. And it's gone. He flicks it. This kid, he might not lead the league in touchdowns. He might lead the league in interceptions this year. I'll tell you that. But he's got all the future in the world, and I will put my money on Patrick Mahomes being the real deal. And I know I'm in the bag. I'm already. It's all right, Peter. I love it. Peter, love you're it. blushing. It's okay to get excited, guys. Yeah. We're not a football Let me get Peter a cigarette. I appreciate the excitement, but are you guys as concerned about the interceptions as it seems like others are? I just gave you the numbers in college: four interceptions in limited time his first year, then 15, and then 10. When you compare that barber to 41 touchdowns, you're throwing the ball around a lot. He's not going to be Alex Smith, all right? He's not going to finish the season with five interceptions. But I'm not all that worried about him turning the ball over. Well, the one thing I know about Andy, Andy definitely uh, teaches these quarterbacks how to protect the possession, um, respect the possession more than they did in college. Uh, every quarterback he's been exposed to uh, learns how to avoid, avoid, avoid those uh, big turnovers. So I think in a season, the highest was 14 to 15 um, from a quarterback with Andy Reid, and I think the lowest was maybe was probably Agus a few years ago with five or something like that. And so. to be fair, in his first full season, a lot of people who think is probably the greatest, second greatest quarterback of all time, at least of our era behind Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, his first season, 26 touchdowns, 28 picks. And even Brett Favre, if you look at his first real season, 18 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Brett Favre's second season, 19 touchdowns, 24 interceptions. Is that right? Yeah. This is And this is the guy that people are comparing him to. And if that's the case, you got to keep in mind, like it may not go as well as you think right away. And Barbara and I were having the conversation even before we got on the show today. You have to really temper your expectations and you have to define success because what is success? Is it, you know, having a really good touchdown to interception ratio or is it getting this team back to the playoffs? Sean. Always, you know that quarterback position is is you get you get all the blame, you get all the uh, you get all the glory. So um, we just now spoke about you know two really good quarterbacks who struggled early in their career. Um, overall, though, you know you gain from those losses. Those 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 those, those picks they learn from them. So uh, when they got into year three and year four, they became very very effective quarterbacks. 
I'm willing in order to bring a championship here to Kansas City for us to go through a year or two of, of, of Patty making some throws that maybe he shouldn't so he can learn from them so that by year three he's uh, one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league. As a fan, I'm right there with you. I haven't seen this team go to but one AFC championship game in my lifetime, so if it takes a couple of years, I'm willing to be patient, guys. But you know who's not? Travis <laughs> Kelsey who's in the prime of his career. Kareem Hunt, who running backs don't have that much tread on their tires, even though it's only year two. That guy touched the ball a lot. Sammy Watkins, Tyree Kill, guys that are in the prime of their career on that side of the ball. Unfortunately, there's a lot of examples of guys that maybe if they would have been given a little bit more time could have had success. You just mentioned Brett Favre, man. One of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Had more interceptions and touchdowns in year two. But Pete, there's no time to wait, man. Now is the time. You make a great point about Travis Kelsey because we think about Travis Kelsey and what do you think of right away? The dancing, the fun, catching Kelsey yeah. all over Kansas City. Kind of that Hosmer feel in a way, but he's 28 years old. Yeah, That's older-ish for tight ends. He's got a, you know, he's got a good amount of time left, but you're right. And, and I think there is that thing that we're not completely thinking of. And that is a lot of these players when the chiefs traded Alex Smith, were not as thrilled as the rest of Kansas city and not to say Kansas city was, you know, jumping for joy, but they were excited to see the kid because finally it was their own. I think, you know, say the, the chiefs had drafted, Alex Smith, like the 49ers, maybe would have been a little bit different, but there was just such excitement because it hadn't happened in 30 years. Pete, bro, that brings up the question that keeps me up at night is, are we really excited about this guy individually, or are we, as fans, really excited about this scenario, Barbara, this situation that a lot of us have never seen? No, it's definitely the situation and the scenario. Um, like saying, not having to draft a quarterback in so many years and being thirsty for a, 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 a drafted quarterback to be this you know nationally hyped is something that Kansas City has been... Uh, kind of fiending for now we have it is the the brink of the season i think 75 or 74 days out from the season and kansas says the whole we can't wait we can't wait to see this guy uh take the reins of this uh vaulted offense and go with it but we got to be really uh waiting and being understanding that there's gonna be some bumps and bruises along the road but the the final product final product is that he's going to be an awesome quarterback yeah, and it's just one. It's just one of one of Kansas City's own, you know. And and being thirsty, as as you say, it's just not a good look. And I think finally Kansas City got someone that you know is quote unquote their their high school sweetheart a little bit. It's not someone they started dating late into the twenties. This is someone that they're going to know forever and give them the time to grow and develop. And I think that mat that'll matter more to the city than it would be signing all these guys late and you know being bar like joe montana for example a great time in kansas city but it was never one of kansas city's own this is a guy that's been kansas city from the beginning and i think that makes a difference and i just hope that the timing works out because a lot of people including barber think that this could be the most potent offense that the chiefs have ever had last year the rams led the league with 29.9 points per game i think that this team could score all of 30 points per game but i'm still gonna back off of Tom Bailey's comparison to Brett Favre, a guy who had 508 touchdowns. And I'm not suggesting that 5, 10, 12 years from now, we don't look back out on it and go, damn, Tom Juice knew what he was talking about. But I would say more of a guy, if you want a player that's playing right now, I hope that he turns into a Matthew Stafford type of player, a big arm. I hope his win-loss record is better. I hope he wins more playoff games. But that type of player, if you want to talk about a guy career-wise and a guy that played kind of in your era, Barbara, you tell me, Randall Cunningham, 6'4", 215, a guy with a big arm. I hope that that's kind of the career path that our guy Patty Cake takes. Man, that, that Matt Stafford uh, comparison is definitely dead on. Um, if he can follow what, what Matt Stafford has done, Matt Stafford has been a guy who's never been out of the game, been able to uh, thread that needle over and over again, had an awesome number one and number two receivers. and uh, He never had a true tight end. He never had a tight end he could go to like we have at Kelsey. True. And he never had a running game. 
Um, their defense was always kind of shaky. So, I mean, it was kind of everything was put on Matthew Stafford since day one to go win, go win, go win. He had to carry the load. I don't think that's the same scenario here. I think that we have so many pieces where that can help um, shoulder some of that weight, and our defense is going to be just good enough. Like I said, as long as it's a top 10, top 12 defense, um, we, we should be ready to roll. Speaking of day one, Chiefs, a 2006 draft pick. That is Tom Bali. Spent 12 years with the organization before being released this past offseason. Gave some mixed signals as to whether or not he was giving up football this week. First, on Good Morning Football, I said he was doing the media rounds. He says, I love my Chiefs. I'm not leaving the Chiefs. I don't want to play football for somebody else. But Andy Reid said, if I want to come back to coach, he'll allow it. So I'm just having fun with music. What football brings, I've done 12 years. I don't know if I want to continue. My body's wrecked. But I know I could still play the game if I choose. So I'm kind of leaving it up in the air. And I kind of think of that, and I'm like, well, Tamba, a team needs to want you as well. And then it seemed like later in the day on Sirius XM, he came to his senses a little bit. Uh, I won't lie. I mean, at times I want to play. At times I don't want to play. And, and in my body, when I'm, I'll go out, maybe play basketball, do some jiu-jitsu, and then I'll feel my body the way it feels. And, I, you know, right now I'm thinking I just need to continue to work out and do my music. I don't want to focus too much on football. I don't see myself getting back into football. I see myself being involved with the Chiefs somehow, um, as a maybe a, as a specialist, uh, being able to teach the guys. But I, I don't want to lie to myself. I think the time has come. 12 years in the league. AJ, you, you know what I'm talking about. 12 years in the league, the, the type of work we put in, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't turn it back. You can't turn the clock back. We wish we was young again, but the, the time has passed, and I, I'm happy where I am. Tom, been talking to A.J. Hawk. Barber, I mean, look at Levine and I. You're clearly the only NFL player in the room. W- what is that feeling like at the end there? I mean, the, the end is the end, man. It's, it's a terrible feeling when, when you cut the lights out and then you go back and try to cut them on and they don't cut back on, but... I think I think I like it what to hear what Tom was saying, man. He's he's working out, he's doing some jujitsu, he's doing some things, keep his hand and eye and his coordination, his timing down. Um, it wouldn't surprise me, man, if he comes back as a you know, in a coaching role throughout the season and maybe in the second half of the season, man, if they're there a little bit thin at that position and he's in good shape, he get he gets out there week uh fourteen, fifteen and been there for the playoff run. I mean, he's on the books for one point seven of dead money this year, so he'll be one of the highest paid uh, assistant coaches, if he does come back and just <laughs> coach a little hand, you know, some hand jive and stuff, like he was coaching uh, uh, the other uh, Bosa right after the game and stuff like that. So he's still a, a, a pass rush guru. Um, I definitely he'll be a good mix. That leadership, he never loses that 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 the drive, that desire, that passion to lead guys to victory, to lead guys to be have that growth mindset. Those are the things that he's he's never going to lose. That Chiefs fans probably not too happy with him teaching Joey Bosa. The ropes, but I put up a poll the other day on OurHeadPride.com. Said I would like to see Tamba Ali back with the Chiefs as a, and you could have chose player, outside linebackers coach, or neither. Let's move on. Eighty-six percent of fans. This is over two thousand votes. Wanted to see Tamba as an outside linebackers coach. Pete, for the record, I didn't want to play in the NFL. I could have. <laughs> there, lots of scouts thought I would have been at least a top three draft pick. I chose to get into radio real quick and just to call a spade a spade. If somebody wanted Tamba, they would have already made the call the same way they did Derek Johnson, right? I agree. So I think that at some point, even though you might want to still play football, and for the record, at one point he was really, really good at football. He's still good at music and really good at jujitsu. Barbara, you seen him do that? Yeah, I like the Jamba Juice, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, that, that, that Tamba, I, we might even start a little uh, um, 
um, you know, a little Pilates workout place here, and we just do uh, some smoothies or something, and we'll feature Tamba's Jamba Juices. Ooh. You know what I mean? He come back to Kansas City. We're going we're gonna to mix up some different juices, play the Tamba, even, all his uh, kingdoms music and stuff like that. Could even have a barbershop built in. Have so a you, you get your haircut, you do a little jujitsu, and then you fill yourself up with some Tamba Juices. These are genius ideas, and now they'll continue talking. until 7 o'clock here on Arrowhead Pride Radio with Sean Barber, Pete Sweeney, Sports Machine, Sean Levine. Coming up next, as much as we want to talk about Patrick Mahomes and we want to talk about uh, Sammy Watkins, we want to talk about Tyree Kale, all the names on offense, there's one guy that might actually put this team over the top that nobody's mentioning. We'll tell you who that is next. Arrowhead Pride Radio, 610 Sports Radio. And a good Thursday evening to you, Kansas City. Welcome back into Arrowhead Pride Radio. Julio Sanchez, Sean Barber, Pete Sweeney, and myself, the Brett Favre of Sports Talk Hosts. Oh, wait. This is just coming in. The Jeff George, apparently, of Sports <laughs> Talk Hosts. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine, taking you up until 7 o'clock. Guys, we've talked so much about this offense because, according to Barber, they could score upwards of 35, 36 points per game. I wouldn't be surprised if they do score... I'm going to say 28-30. I think this could be a Dick Vermeil-ish looking offense. But I was on ArrowheadPride.com the other day, Pete, and I saw a video of a guy on offense that nobody's talking about. Spencer Ware. And it really came out of the blue this morning. I was doing my usual. I do a lot of research. I mentioned last week after a few jacks, I started doing my research about what happened over the last 24 hours. And the official, it's called Sweet Feet Training. Instagram, it must be who Spencer Ware trains with in the offseason, released a video of Ware, and it was on the beach. It was looked like a sand volleyball court, and he was doing running back drills. And I had been someone, I will admit, who was a little bit worried about Spencer Ware making the team. And if you haven't seen the video, you can go right now on OurHeadPride.com. You watch this 50-second video, and you say, huh, you know what? He looks pretty good. Where did your trepidation come from? Because this guy who averages 4.6 yards per carry in his career, I guess just the injury? It just was such a rare injury, and Kareem Hunt did so well, and the Chiefs have so many potential running backs. When you look at Sharkandrick West coming back, and maybe not so much as a a runner, but the Chiefs love him as a blocker. You have Damian Williams, Kerwin Williams, Daryl Williams, the LSU undrafted free agent. I was just concerned. Where does this guy fit in? Because this is a team who I, I believe, if, if I'm not mistaken, a year ago kept three running backs besides Anthony Sherman. Yeah, I've been doing off-season workouts, man. I can tell you one thing. That sand lot workout is a beast. Um, the resistance you get from the sand, um, the the uneasiness to your, all your different muscles in your lower body, it puts it puts pressure on all those different ligaments. And to know he's coming back off a knee injury and he's out there doing that, it was impressive. It was very impressive to see him at that point um, being able to, to do all those drills Cut confident. The one thing I saw is I saw a guy confident about his cuts, and that's what I was most impressed about. Isn't this a first-world problem, though? Isn't this something that you want to have when you're talking about Spencer Ware? Is he going to end up making the team? Because I look up and down this roster, guys, and I think that front-end, top-end talent, they've got as much, especially on the offensive side of the ball, as any team in football. But I don't necessarily see depth as one of their strengths. I say thank goodness they've got a guy like Spencer Ware. I think when it comes to the running back position, Brett Veach wanted to put himself in a situation where last year couldn't happen because Spencer Ware got injured and they were really like, well, what do we do? And I think that's why you saw Mr. C.J. Spiller get signed and released and signed and released and signed and released and signed and released. And and they said to themselves, we're going to have legitimate backups to the 10th degree this season going in. And Spencer Ware is just an interesting case. And I think... When it comes to position battles with the Chiefs, RB2 
mm-hmm. could be the most interesting battle of training camp because I don't know who it's going to be. I really, I really couldn't tell you definitively this is RB2 this year. You, you know what I mean? And, and I think that's fascinating. The one thing I definitely notice is that when, when, you, when you're able to spend only about $7 million on your first two quarterbacks – you're able to take about $25 million that other teams are spending on their starting quarterback, and you're able to build so much depth in your backup linebackers, your backup running backs, um, and offensive defensive line. So so your team all, all of a sudden becomes a quality team, not just riding on three or four uh, Pro Bowl elite-level players, and then when you get past those guys, it's just some jags, just a guy. It's it's actually a quality team, and I think that's why everybody should be so excited about this season right now. And guys, RB two becomes so much more important if RB one doesn't do what he did as a rookie. And if you don't remember, here's all Kareem Hunt did: he rushed for thirteen hundred and twenty-seven yards, averaged five yards per carry, led the NFL as a rook. Oh, by the way, out of the backfield, fifty-three receptions for another five hundred yards. So. Your second running back position, we'll call him Spencer Ware, becomes a whole lot more important, Pete, if Kareem Hunt isn't as good as he was as a rookie. And I think that Kareem Hunt does a lot of things that Spencer Ware doesn't do. You mentioned how versatile he is, given that he can roll out and, and catch passes. I don't think that's really Spencer Ware's forte. Spencer Ware is more of a bruiser, and he might excel in that number two role. And I do want to mention, and this is kind of a luxury we have at OurHeadPride.com, we have a medical expert on staff, and he watched the video. I said, Aaron, could you take a look uh, at this video? He's a rehab expert. He's been in the NFL, uh, or he has 12 years of NFL experience. And he said, the video kind of speaks for itself. The important part to note is where is quick and doesn't have any hesitation in his movements. His rehab has been done really well. Zero issues looking at that. Keep in mind, it's not football, but it is impressive. So what I think you take away from the video, bottom line, is where maybe you're unsure if he was going to be ready for training camp or even the beginning of the season, I think it's solidified. This looks like a guy who could probably start week one if he had to. And those running backs catching the ball out of the backfield are certainly going to provide a comfort level for a first-year rookie, whatever the heck we're calling this guy, quarterback, in Patrick Mahomes. And speaking of Patrick Mahomes, there's nobody that breaks down the film better on that guy than our AP film analyst, Kent Swanson. We always get back to Mahomes. And Kent, you, you are... Real deep right now in the building the Patrick Mahomes offense series, but we're going to take a little bit of a different approach this week because, as we've been saying, the hype never stops. So I want to know, and maybe you can give us a look on this because you've been so deep within the film. I want to know, if Mahomes were to fail this season, why would that be, in your opinion? Yeah, um, I've kind of been thinking about that a little bit last couple weeks because the, the hype train. It's, it's rolling, baby. Um, you know, I, I think the thing that the, kind of the root of the issue that could come from all this, uh, the failure, is if he um, isn't able to process and execute against pressure. You know, that's a way that, you know, you can get to a young quarterback. If you're giving him exotic looks, if he's not able to process them, get, teams, get, their, get his team in the right look and, uh, and handle the, you know, protection properly, um, he's going to have to be, you know, running for his life a little bit, and, and he'll put himself in danger. Um, and, you know, I think that's a way that, you know, if he can't uh, navigate pressure, that's, that's kind of an easy way to kind of get the, the, the ball out of the hands of a guy like Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, and Tyreek Hill. You know, if he, if he can't get that to them, then that, that's, that's going to be a problem for a young quarterback. Based upon what you've seen in the Texas Tech film, though, did he see a variety of different defensive looks? I know there's only so much at the college level because, you know, these guys go to class as well. But given that and understanding that, did he see a variety of looks at Texas Tech? 
You know, I, I think to, to some degree he saw some, but I think that's part of, of the transition that he's making is these guys at the NFL level are more capable of putting a variety of looks that he's never seen in front of them. And I think Andy Reid knows that too because one of the most telling quotes from the minicamp that we heard was how, you know, they tried to throw the kitchen sink at him, throw a variety of pressures. Bob Sutton has a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of looks that he can throw at uh, Patrick Mahomes, and they did. So I, I think, you know, he's just trying to get reps that, uh, you know, he may not have seen, you know, with, with some of the three-man pressures that, you know, a lot of teams tried to put, uh, you know, to, to keep, you know, the, the field, you know, spaced and defended. So uh, in college, that is. So, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I think it's just a, a matter of him getting the gigabytes, you know, acquiring those gigabytes and seeing as many things as he can before, you know, week one hits. I think Pete forgot that he played my alma mater three times. That Jayhawks defense, very, very good under Charlie Weiss <laughs> and under David Beatty. We continue with Kent Swanson of Arrowhead Pride. You talk about the complex offense either at Texas Tech or in Kansas City. Just out of curiosity, compared to other NFL teams, how complex is Andy Reid's offense? Well, Andy Reid's notorious for just throwing a lot of stuff out there. And, you know, his system requires a lot to learn, to, to properly process, um, and to really understand what's happening, um, you know, it, it takes time. And, you know, I, I think, um, you know, Andy, Andy rewards people, though. I think the thing that's really interesting about it is, you know, he, he puts a lot on guys' plates, but he also rewards them by kind of meeting them halfway and trying to put them in situations and comfortability levels that, you know, allow them to still have success. And I think that's part of the balance that he's found is, you know, throwing and demanding a lot, but also finding ways to, to let a kid put his personality into the offense. Andy Reid has always said that he loves to let players let their personality show. I, I want to transition to defense for a second. Ken, another thing you do on OurHeadPride.com is a series called Lottery Tickets. We've talked about it before. Introducing Chiefs fans to players they may not know because they weren't drafted. They were just signed. What do you think about edge rusher Tyrone Holmes and, and his chances at making this team? Uh, Tyrone Holmes is a guy that is highly regarded amongst the film nerd community of our Arrowhead Pride site. Uh, not just me, my buddy Matt Lane is a big fan of him as well. He's a dense athlete. This will be his third year in the NFL, um, tested at a, a remarkable level coming out of Montana, where he was the FCS Defensive Player of the Year. Um, he's a guy that the reason he's getting this opportunity in Kansas City is because of his rare athletic traits, um, but he's still working to tie those together with, with a skill set that's going to allow him to succeed. He's, he's working, to develop, working to develop a plan as a pass rusher, um, needs to kind of continue to develop uh, so that he can, he can see the field. Um, I, think he's got a, you know, I think he's got a chance. Um, I, I think it's just a matter of if he can continue to close the gap between developed skill set and rare athletic traits. A dense athlete. I like that. Ken Swanson, the dense writer for OurHeadPride.com. Thank you, Ken. I once called an ex-girlfriend dance, and it didn't go over all that well. So I guess it's okay if you're a writer. I once had one of a, my mutual friends call another mutual friend thick. And oh. that, that never goes over well when you're – everyone – listen, I think guys and girls, everybody nowadays is trying to look skinny. You're trying to look svelte. No one wants to look thick. Thicker than a snicker, baby. That's my look. That's Pete. That's Sean. I'm Sean. Coming up around the bend, we've talked a lot about the offense and why not. We think it could be Dick Vermeil Esh. This guy across from me says it could score upwards – of 35 points per game. Maybe a top three offense, but how bad's that defense going to be?
We'll talk about that next and get you your beer of the week. It's Arrowhead Pride Radio on 610 Sports Radio. Arrowhead Pride Radio rolling along. Pete Sweeney, Sean Barber, Sports Machine, Sean Levine here on 610 Sports Radio. The offense, by all accounts, is going to be great. The defense, way more questions than answers. Think about this. Eric Berry was injured pretty much the entire season last year. Who's to say that he comes back at 100%? I think, at least vocally, Derek Johnson for the last decade has been your leader. He's now a Raider. And I think the best player on that side of the ball, Pete, was Marcus Peters. He's now a Ram. One of the things we do at OurHeadPride.com, and to your point, there's a lot of concerns about the defense. One of the one of the things we like to do is take a different approach and to try to figure out, all right, what is the narrative here? Maybe it isn't exactly true. Our defensive film analyst, his name is Craig Stout. He always provides us the defense and beer of the week, and he'll do that beer of the week I'm talking about at the end of this. But, Craig, I was talking to you this week, and you said a lot of people assume that this year's defense is going to be worse than last year but maybe that isn't the case. No, guys, I don't think that's the case at all, actually. You know, I hear all the media saying, you know, the offense has a chance to be great, and they're going to need to because the defense is going to be so bad. Well, guys, if you look at last year's defense, it wasn't particularly good. I don't think that's groundbreaking for anybody. But if you look at the Titans game at the end of the year, after Chris Jones got hurt, there's only two players from that defense that was playing at the end of that game that are going to be playing a significant role for the Kansas City Chiefs in the same spot. That's Justin Houston and Steven Nelson. They went through and replaced everybody on a team that everybody focused on being terrible against the run. And they went out, if each went out, replaced most of the run defenders on that team and they're now going to probably be better against the run. Now, everybody says, you know, pass game is going to be worse and everything like that because Marcus Peters is gone. Well, having watched every coverage snap from the 2017 Chiefs, I can tell you that the spot opposite of Marcus Peters wasn't particularly great. So I firmly believe that with Eric Berry coming back and Daniel Sorensen moving back into a deep safety role, that the Chiefs are going to have three of their four secondary members be better. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people in Chiefs fans around the community and the Chiefs community, they like to say Eric Berry had a huge impact, and no doubt inside the locker room. But based upon what you've seen as you've watched every defensive play, the All Twenty Two, what did the loss of Eric Berry mean when it came to on the field play from a deeper level? Well, it meant that the Chiefs then rotated Eric Murray onto the field more often. And Eric Murray played a lot more man against the opposition's number one tight end. And I think some of us probably remember several games where that wasn't wasn't great. Uh, Jared Cook, uh, the Raiders tight end, handled him pretty well in their first matchup. But it also meant that Daniel Sorensen spent a lot more time in the box with Ron Parker as the sole deep safety. So they lost some of the versatility that Eric Berry offers them with able to move guys around. Craig, to your point about the turnover, it's the same thing in football and the game of life. When things are good, change is bad. When things are bad, change is good. There's going to be a lot of new names on the field. But after that Tennessee game, there was one enemy of the state. His name is Bob Sutton. 
How much of that is true, and how much of that is just, I guess, somebody to pour the blame on? I I think the Tennessee game is a lot of somebody to pour the blame on. I mean, looking at the personnel there, it, it wasn't great, and the effort level wasn't great, which maybe you can put that on Bob Sutton. But I think Bob catches a lot of flack for things that he didn't necessarily have anything to do with. Yeah, and I, I would I would say, Craig, in that game, and it's just weird how things work because I think in, when it's such a, a colossal loss like that, you always need someone to blame. But you could turn to the offense in that game, and I know you're a defensive guy, Craig. They were scoreless the rest of the way. Oh, for sure. I, I think it kind of to flip it the other direction. I brought up earlier this week that Bob Sutton called his best game of the year, and that was the Pittsburgh game earlier in the year. Bob Sutton, other than a doink off the helmet from Philip Gaines, shut out the Pittsburgh Steelers from the second quarter on. But, you know, everybody blames Bob Sutton for that when the offense wasn't holding up their end of the deal. I mean, the Titans didn't score enough to where they should have won that game based on how the offense started. All right, you know what? Enough of this negative energy. We're talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. (laughs) We're talking about the Titans' loss. Let's reverse course here. It's time for the beer of the week. What do you got for us this week? Well, this week I'm picking something from down here in my neck of the woods. I live down in the Wichita area. It's Wichita Brewing Company's Catherine the Third Russian Imperial Stout. It is a big stout. It's nine and a half percent. Comes in a can, easy to take with you. It is coffee, chocolate, roast, and then they age it in bourbon barrels. Tell us you what know, it is one more time. What's it called? Catherine the Third. Sounds like a very royal. It really does. It, it, it sounds like you drink it in a glass. Whatever, whatever it comes in, you take it out of of that contraption. Here's the thing, Pete. I've got this bad habit where I keep writing down whatever the beer of the week is, and then I throw out my prep. But apparently, you said on the website or what on Twitter, some people are actually taking this to heart, right? Yeah, Craig, you became a celebrity this week. Someone reached out about the beer of the week last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody did reach out about the beer of the week last week, said that the Imperial Saison that I recommended was fantastic. So even though you guys weren't sure what I was talking about, somebody <laughs> went out and tried it and loved it. That's one for one. As far as I'm concerned, that's 100% approval rate on the beer of the week. This week's is the <laughs> Catherine the Third Russian Imperial Stout. He's Craig Stout. You can find his defensive reviews at OurHeadPride.com. Thanks, Craig. Thank you. I already forgot. What was it called? King Henry the Eighth. King Henry the No Catherine the Third. Is she the one who got decapitated? That's Anne Boleyn, right? Got her. You are you you are way eighth off. grade history, You're man. Okay, I figured out. Catherine the Third, okay. Russian. So you get the World Cup in, in the mix a little bit. Russian Imperial Stout, nine and a half percent. I think that's more than a tank seven. I believe it is. That would be a good decision to make. A bad decision, Pete. Once again, by the NFL. Some people call it the No Fun League. To me. If you are smart enough, educated enough, if you are willing to go through the schooling to become a doctor, you should be able to get whatever the hell you want on the back of your jersey. I have to be honest right now. I've been quieter than usual with this take. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think the NFL was that out of bounds because I can understand where they wouldn't want to open up Pandora's box. Real quick, for those that don't, don't know what we're talking about, Lawrence Duvardet-Tardif, now officially a doctor, right. wants to get the MD on the back of his jersey, and somehow the NFL says, no, he can't do that. I understand why they wouldn't want to open Pandora's box. You but, do? But, but, 
Yeah, because I feel like if you do it once, then if a player gets anything, like a PhD, then you have to allow that. And, yes, and, you do. But what I'm saying is, that being said, you've already allowed senior. Senior's not a thing. Senior is not a thing that people like, write down. You know, Steve Smith Senior, Steve Smith was a great player for years. All of a sudden, he's Smith Senior on the Baltimore Ravens. Since you've already allowed that, Pandora's box is already open. Give the doctors due. Your Steve Smith analogy is kind of a unique scenario because there were a couple of them, so you had to go senior, junior, whatever. But Barber, it's difficult enough to play college, to play high school football on the varsity team, let alone play Division One football, let alone be drafted, and then actually make the NFL team. At the same time this guy was doing that, he was also becoming a doctor. Shouldn't he have MD on the back of his jersey? Man, players and teammates, they got all the respect in, in the world for this guy, but the the MD on your back of your jersey, man, we're a team. We're out here trying to win football games. We ain't trying to promote um, doctorates and, and PhDs and all that kind of stuff, man. Once in my lifetime, I got to agree with the NFL – um, stop once in a lifetime. <laughs> what does that say about the NFL? Stop with the shenanigans. All right, stop, stop, stop requesting for things and just trying to make yourself stand out. Um, I'm, I'm actually on board with with no last names, just plain old jerseys. Penn State, just white yeah, helmets, man. white jerseys. Yeah, like I'm just ready. To, we go out there and smash heads, and the best man win. I ain't trying to all that self promotion on the field. So anything takes yourself away from the from the team. I ain't against. I mean, Andy Reid himself, and and this is a little bit less reported as well in this. Andy Reid, I know for a fact, doesn't enjoy special cases with jerseys. He's not even a big fan. If you notice, you can go back. Patrick Mahomes' original jersey was Mahomes' second, and that kind of disappeared very quietly. Yeah, whatever happened to the second? Gone. Dis- disappeared like the MD. Speaking of the MD, we don't talk enough about the offensive line, so let's just do it here for a minute. As much as we want to talk about how good this offense potentially could be, how much could the offensive line be the Achilles heel? I don't think it's being talked about enough. I've said it a number of times. If this is your first time listening to the show or visiting OurHeadPride.com, whatever, I, I think Cam Irving at the center position, I've said it before, isn't ideal. I don't know if it's going to be bad for the Chiefs. It isn't ideal. I think you'd want Mitch Morse back there. And they still don't know who's going to be playing left guard for this team. Brian Witzman was your guy last year. He didn't even really get a look in OTAs. It was between Parker, Anger, and undrafted free agent Ryan Hunter, another Canadian north of the border like LDT. Uh, so I, I think it's a bigger question than people realize. And that not only can affect Mahomes because you notice you know, he's a young guy. You worry about the happy feet. It could affect the run game as well. And, and you're, you're as good as your offensive line. I think Priest Holmes will, will be the first to tell you that. You know what I mean? So it's a bigger concern for me than you'd realize. What's yeah. the matter with you guys? You got, you, you, Barbara, no MD on the back of the jersey. Pete, you got a problem with junior and senior on the back of the I'm jersey? I'm a junior myself. Okay. I'm a junior myself. Okay. Keep that in mind. So I feel like I have I have some right to say that I'm not, not for the senior. The and growing up in your youth leagues, you were never Pete Sweeney Jr. on the back of your jersey? No, I always just went with the straight Sweeney for some reason, All yeah. Right. All right. That is Sweeney. That is Barbara. I'm the sports machine. We'll put a bow on this thing. Coming up next, we'll hear your tweets and concerns. It's Arrowhead Pride Radio. It's 610 Sports Radio. Wrapping up this edition of Arrowhead Pride Radio here on 610 Sports Radio with Sean and Pete. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine. Pete, as a man of the people, what are the people saying? So, uh, we're, we've been trying to make this a habit on 610 Sports Radio, Arrowhead Pride Radio, is we're going to be looking at comments and your tweets, what you want us to talk about here at the end of the show. And we'll start with an AP comment from Arrow Spread. How realistic... Is it to think this hodgepodge of pass rushers we have will actually be effective? I think you can count on Justin Houston. But what about after that? 
It, it only takes one to get there. That's the thing. You don't you don't need 18, 19 great pass rushers. All right, you got five guys, four guys lined up. They got three of them going to be one-on-one. One guy gets double teamed. Of those three one-on-ones, you need one or two guys to win their one-on-one, create pressure on the quarterback. So every and, and you really only need that on third down. First and second down, I could care less. But third down, we got to get off the field. And D. Ford, you better get to the quarterback. I believe in Reggie Raglan. I believe in Justin Houston. But I don't think that this team's going to rack up a ton of sacks this season. I don't know. It really just depends on what you have in D. Ford or perhaps to know Passigno. Or I knew Bre- you were going there. Breland Speaks, another person to watch. Yeah. Another AP comment from Master Chief. Since it's an AP show, I'd like to hear a normal segment where you guys have a regular Hourhead Prider on. We will work on that for next week. Uh, tweet here from Josh Webb. Chiefs fans, pretend you're Brett Veach. If the New York Giants called and offered Odell Beckham Jr. for Tyreek Hill straight up, would you take it? Barbara, I'll turn to you. Yes. Yes, I'm doing it also. Although you got to imagine the money that you have to pay Odell Beckham the next few years. Tyreek Hill's still on his rookie contract. So the money's completely different. But Odell Beckham, you could argue right now, is the premier wide receiver in the NFL. I understand the way things were when Tyreek Hill was drafted. But he has been a saint since. Complete opposite for Odell Beckham Jr. I don't know if this is a personality you want on your team. I can I can handle personalities. I can handle all that kind of stuff. I, I thought we, we raw talent. You want to accumulate the best talent on the field at any time. You got a low paying quarter. I mean, you paying the quarterback a little bit, almost nothing. So let's go out and get the best talent around him so we can go win now. I actually think you're splitting hairs a little bit. Don't get me wrong. I'd take Beckham, but if we started to make our list of the top eight wide receivers in the league, I'd say Beckham's one, two, or three. But I'd have Tyree Kill no lower than seven or eight. Definitely. I think Tyree Kill is going to surprise both of you guys. We'll see how it works out. Ron Kopp Jr., who will go down as a better pass rusher in Kansas City Chiefs history when it's all said and done? Justin Houston or Tamba Ali? I'm going to go Tamba. Uh, like I said, we shared the agent. So, you know, yeah, the agent love sports stars. So I'm going with Tamba. I believe Tamba's second, right, on the all-time Chiefs sack and a half list sacks. behind only the great Derek Thomas. So I guess he enters Tamba. Yeah, it's going to be hard to knock off Tamba, especially as Justin Houston's getting older and has sort of slowed down as time has gone on. AP comment from Jay the Fan wants to talk about Anthony Hitchens. A lot of love for Watkins, but not so much Hitchens. What do we think about his contributions this season, guys? Uh, Hitchens is going to be a better version of myself. Uh, Lost that linebacker can cover. He shouldn't have to lead the field at all, no matter what the set, no matter what the personnel. So I love every day on linebackers. The less you have to mess with the personnel and stuff on, on facing uh, three wides and four wides, the better. I think that'll be the level of the Chiefs defense. It's either make it or break it, those linebackers. If Justin Houston is the 22-sack Justin Houston, which I don't think he's going to be, but if he's even close to it, if D. Ford is the guy that we've seen for bits and pieces, Reggie Ragland last year was maybe the best defensive player on this team, not named Marcus Peters. So I think Hitchens is incredibly important just to you know, make that level even better than they potentially could be. Listen, it's all about rags to hitches. Oh, I like it. Sean, you're irreplaceable. I think there's a reason the Chiefs paid this guy five years, 45 mil. He's one of the better run stoppers in the league. That should be improved with Anthony Hitchens. P.J. Castleman, have the Chiefs adequately addressed the center and left guard positions? I just said no in the last segment. Is that more problematic than our cornerback issues? That's the question. And I I would say at this point, no. I think you want to maybe go get another cornerback, and that's why you might see the Chiefs being a little active in that supplemental draft. We'll have more on that as the weeks go on. AP comment from Chad. Who will be playing safety next to Eric Berry this season? Barbara, I'll turn to you. Uh, I'm going to go with a uh, rookie. I'm going to go with our uh, rookie from uh, Texas A&M. I'm, I'm on Watts. Imani Watts. 
Um, I think he's going to show something during training camp. I think he's going to be a guy that steps up. His athleticism is something he shouldn't even feel. SB Nation called him the clutchest player in college football, so keep an eye out for Watts. Speaking of clutch, that is Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride, former Kansas City Chief Sean Barber. Thanks to all of our guests, including Kent Swanson and our beer expert, Craig Stout, Julio Sanchez on the buttons on the sports machine, Sean Levine. Next week, same bat time, same bat channel, 6 o'clock. It's Arrowhead Pride Radio right here on 610 Sports Radio.